Bootstrapping your business can sometimes feel lonely. Welcome to the Bootstrapped European Entrepreneur Podcast, where you can hear the stories of your peers, as well as the strategies and tactics that have helped them grow their businesses. Your host, Uroj, co-founded a company as a student and led it through the trials and tribulations of bootstrapping to the IPO on the stock exchange. Hi, our guest today is Boško Radivojevic, co-founder of Mainstream, a number one managed hosting provider in Serbia, and mCloud, a cloud hosting provider. After developing and growing both companies, he also took the next step and exited the business by selling both of them. In this episode, we touch upon how important it is to sell your visions for the company to the employees, banks, and everybody else, how the entrepreneur's attitude toward the company changes through the years, and how mainstream reacted when they ran out of the opportunities in their initial market. Hi, Boško. Thank you for joining us here today. Hi, Eurostad. Thank you for having me. Do you know that this is my first appearance in podcast ever? Oh. So I'm a completely newcomer to this, you know, new, new world. I, I really appreciate it. And uh, let's say, I believe it's fair to our listeners to say that we know for each other now for quite some time, let's say. But I must confess that when I first met you, you really left an impression, let's say, because you were so, uh, I still remember we met at Cloudfest in Germany, which is strange because we are from almost neighboring countries. And your presentation was so concise, so spot on, so polished on mainstream, uh, the company. At the time, that I was so impressed, let's say, what kind of entrepreneur is so focused on the business and so so on. So I'm really happy, let's say, uh, that we will discuss today how everything started. Uh, usually think about, you know, how things in my business life started from, um, there was a very famous Russian, I think he was a critic, literal critic, Belinsky. He was trying to, in some of the, his saying, he actually connected the interest as the first thing and the goal and then the activity so in order to have goals you need to have interests and uh, definitely from the very early days of it in that late 90s i had interest in some kind of services that are more closer to the customers and providing them something that is uh, not, let's say, usual. So uh, in late 90s, it was very interesting IT time. It was full of energy. Uh, at that time, I, I, I think that my life can be divided into two tracks. One was very related to open source and Linux advocacy, and that was you know, really my thing. I was you know, living and breathing open source activism. We organized Linux Fest in Belgrade. It was also an uh, interesting period in Serbia as the country was waking up from uh, bad 90s. And we had communication with other groups from ex-Yugoslavia, which is you know interesting that you said that we met in, in Germany. But actually, before we met, uh, I've been in Ljubljana many times and you know, Zagreb and met different you know people from the same background and the same ideas that you know linux and open source is providing us some different different way and it's a bit funny you know i'm now talking to you via macbook and i'm using 
you know, uh, Microsoft Word uh, to read my notes for this uh, conversation. But I still, I believe that somewhere deep inside, I'm an open source guy. And I still believe in those things as 20 something years ago. And the other track in, in my life was a school of electrical engineering. I uh, enrolled to School of Electrical Engineering with the idea to finish the university, which actually never happened. And also I started working in computer center and I had opportunity to work on a lot of small projects to meet a lot of people because late 90s, it is still IT in some early stages of development. And there were a lot of people that would just, you know, come by to our computer center and ask, is there anyone that can do something in PHP or MySQL or something like that? I remember one of my first projects was started like that. A guy came in and said, can someone help me develop this? So project? how old were you at the time, let's say? So late teens? Uh... I was late teens, early 20s at the beginning. And I have you know that tendency to archive all my emails and so on. And from time <laughs> to time when I need something, I try to find some emails. And when I read my emails from that period, wow, that's completely different, you know, person <laughs> than I'm today. <laughs> Especially very soon after uh, after three years of working in computer center, I joined EUNET, which was the largest ISP in Serbia at the time. And that was really, you know, the, the let's say, the very important moment in my life from many, many different perspectives, not only from, you know, understanding business, doing some work, but also that company had very specific culture, very uh, good culture. And I really felt for many years that, you know, my job is actually my second home. And uh, I think that is also important for all later things that I was doing in, in my life because I, I, I somehow realized that uh, having some very deep relation with what you work is essential. Uh, so I cared about what I, what I do uh, in my business life. And uh, especially when you have 22, 23, 24 years, you have a lot of time, no other no obligations. Uh, so you can really focus on what is you know, important. And um, ISP world in general is very different because there are clients that really depend on your service on 24-7 hours a day. And that's something that is providing you a different perspective of you know, what IT is. I mean, if you're working in an industry that is de delivering projects, you have some time frame to deliver the project, then you go into a maintenance phase. And so it, it is very slow paced. But on the other hand, life in ISP environment is different. For many years, I was you know, when I was trying to find people to work with me, uh, I was always thinking if they have ISP experience, that's kind of a big plus for uh, for them because they understand that uh, that notion of you know high availability. It's not some fancy world. It's a, it's actually you know idea that your service needs to be available for your customers all day long. Yeah, this is also, let's say, the thing that I noticed, let's say, this disconnect between e-commerce guys and, let's say, us that are more in a subscription business because the e-commerce guys, it's, let's say, you sell once and it's done, one and done. That's a mentality, especially in approach to marketing. While if you are, let's say, in a subscription business, it's basically your first sale is the beginning of relationship. And this is completely different mentality uh, from, let's say, how to structure a company, what's really important, and so on. So this, let's say, uh, 
somewhat resonates with me, but I can imagine that high availability is, uh, let's say, a level higher about this. Let's say, let's start to build a relationship. Yeah, especially because, you know, from from um, technical perspective, because my background is pretty much technical. I ended up, you know, running a business, being a kind of, you know, business slash financial consultant, but actually deep inside, I'm still, you know, technical guy. Uh, and you always have many different ways of achieving high availability. It, it means things will never be, you know, ideal in any sense. We will, uh, we will not be able to buy all the equipment you need. You will not be able to, you know, uh, uh, configure and do all, all things that are needed. Also, there is a life cycle in all kinds of services. You need to develop something new and you, you need to upgrade. You need to do this and that. And then you learn that there are many different ways of you know, achieving high availability. And that actually what matters is the result seen in, from the eyes of your customers. And I, and I think that is very interesting notion because you define your success as how your customers see you are successful in providing, for example, services. I mean, that's kind and of... This already started at UNET, let's say. So this kind of thinking, uh, because... Yes, yeah. I mean, you know, ideas are you know, rarely all new. I don't believe in you. You wake up one day and say, I have a great idea. You know, those, those ideas, I think, grow over time. They, let's say, inoculate over time and you uh, start seeing some patterns. So uh, first ideas of managed services and the trust that you mentioned was actually started to, to grow, in, in, let's say, not only in me, but in my uh, surrounding and friends. And uh, it's actually, uh, you're selling, for example, internet connectivity you are having internally very high level of expertise, knowledge, abilities, very good people. And you can actually use all those resources to provide something else because customers on the other hand, are they're having uh, many different IT needs, especially where we are talking period 21 years ago, uh, when not everything was so polished, not everything was so defined as it is today. So uh, actually uh, knowing how to help your customer and in eunet we had that culture that we will never say no to customer like okay we, we are providing you internet connectivity internet connectivity is working if you're having any other problems please find someone else so uh, i think that, that that period for me was very important because i i started to realize that trust between you and let's say your customer is something that is built over time it needs uh, a lot of uh, effort it is very easy to lose trust between you and your customer. And uh, actually, uh, if, we, if we can use you know, the modern language, it's probably the, the most important asset in a business that you can have, trust of your customer in you. So let's say the idea for managed services that later became mainstream happened in UNIT, let's say. So what kind of position, let's say, did you have at the time, let's say, so were you in contact with customers? I was on... Quite early in my career, I got promoted to a CTO position, which was very nice for ambitious young men that I was. Uh, but there were a lot of challenges for, you know, first time I need to deal with people, you know, especially deal with people that are in many aspects better than me. That was maybe also one part of, uh, you know, uh, culture that I somehow inherited from UNET is that it is very good to be surrounded with people that are better in you. 
I mean, not overall, but in some specific fields. And so, you know, you are kind of a first among the equals, which is nice saying, but actually it's very hard because sometimes decisions need to be made and there are some different aspects of, you know, every, every single decision. Uh, so uh, I had like quite a different angles in, in my role at the time. One was to run the network operation center which was easier part because I was very lucky to work with, you know, the best talents in, at, at the time. Uh, so from technical perspective, uh, I could, you know, really rely on my colleagues solving problems, being able to see what's next, to being able to plan, to, you know, uh, anticipate what is coming. On the other hand, I was very uh, say involved in uh discussions with clients, especially more advanced clients. So clients that want some additional services apart from basic connectivity. Uh, and that gave me really great uh, understanding of how things look from client's perspective. Because when you have 20 something years and you're tech geek, you tend to uh, see the world very narrowly. You, you see it as from your perspective, you know, it's only, you know, servers that matter in the world. And uh, on the other hand, when you are in constant communication with clients, you understand how those things look like from the perspective of being put to a good use, you know, to provide some kind of services. And how did this experience then, uh, let's say, serve as a basis for, let's say, start of your first company? I think it's... Um, how you start your company uh, it, it is always something that happens with multiple factors in parallel my brother he was very eager to have his own company on the other hand we were in pretty much similar positions in different companies we had similar ideas of how from technical perspective service could look like and should look like so we started to think about, you know, managed services as a way to go forward in, forward in on lives. Uh, but there is also, um, you have some, I, I, maybe it's, you know, so, so big word to say, but um, you have some frustration that you want to, you know, cure somehow. For example, EUNet was mainly ISP and it is, it, it was very hard to actually develop all the ideas from the business perspective, especially that I was very young. I, I had 24 years. And as I said, my way of communicating with my colleagues and, you know, my superiors was very uh, different than it is today. So it is hard to actually be able to put your ideas on the table and to say, okay, this is the way to go. And we should doing this and that. And in some moment you realize, okay, maybe we can actually achieve it uh, by having our own company. Maybe uh, I, okay, the, the challenge I see is always, let's say, the first customer, let's say, because did you, let's say, jump into water without a customer or did, did you already, let's say, had an idea of where your first customers will come, came from? We already had one customer uh, that was one of the, maybe not the biggest, but okay, let's say biggest portals in, 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 in Serbia at the time, Internet Cruiser, uh, but they had... Um, a very specific policy of not using Serbian resources and Serbian infrastructure. So all the servers were in, in, in somewhere in, in the United States. Um, and as we were responsible for 
uptime of the portal. We started to realize the difficulties that we are facing when you are not actually you know, able to provide everything. So we relied and we were dependent on uh, some others network infrastructure, some others uh, servers, some other service and then so on. So uh, that, that was the first kind of customer that was that we wanted to provide such a service but we couldn't because we had no our internal infrastructure. Okay, but before before we delve deeper into that, but uh, let's, my, uh, let's see what I was interested in, and still am, is did you, let's say, open a business, uh, get employed and start looking for customers, or did you do it in a more, let's say, smarter way, let's say, that you are still employed, open a business part-time, and then develop it in this way, let's say. So how, how is this in your personal yeah, of course, it was a smarter way. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> it was 12 years ago, I can say whatever I want. But yeah, definitely, it was more like uh, real bootstrapping, like real way of starting small businesses. You don't have resources, like you don't have the money, you don't have the customer, you don't have anything. So uh, the always the idea is how you can start. I really do believe that, you know, uh, entrepreneur in a position, you, you see opportunity, you see that you can actually provide some service and you're using your yourself as a main resource at the beginning. And you are trying to combine people that you know, things that you can achieve for free. And then you combine everything and you start building on, on it. And uh, uh, I think that there is a, like in finance, there's that compounding effect. At the beginning, uh, all those let's call, call them investments, but not in financial uh, sense of, uh, of investment, they actually have very, uh, very big importance because they are first stones that you, that you lay. And uh, um, we actually started part-time. I was part-time in, in the business. My brother started quite early as a full-time uh, and fully devoted to, to, the, to the new company. Uh, we were, I think, there are a lot of, you know, now... Uh, Say successful business people, uh, but I would always put it in you know some some italic words of, of success because I think how you define success is actually a very important thing for uh, when you are starting your own company. Uh, when you have 24 years or 25, 27, uh, it's uh, really hard to think about those blurry subjects like what is the success. How do, do you still remember what what was the goal right at the moment that you founded the company? You know. We uh, conquered the world, or was it something absolutely. else? Absolutely. I mean, uh, when you when I try to to remember what was my way of thinking, I mean, you're like on you know some some drugs. You are so high, you want to you know change the world, and that that was the whole period like that. It started with open source and Linux, and we wanted to change the world by you know uh, saying that Microsoft is bad and you know open source is good, and uh, there are different ways we should you know exchange ideas, we should you know use reuse code and and so on, and that that is the same wave that uh, was actually helping us, uh, but in a different uh, perspective now in perspective of business because me personally at the, never had you know so concrete goals like let's have a lot of money and let's let's you know be able to do this and that and it actually comes uh during the process i remember when in a company in one moment we could actually travel and you know go to world hosting days and you know meet great people and so on i still remember when let's say you mentioned when we can actually travel. I still remember when we, and me, and my co-founders, let's say, went for the first company dinner. Let's say, so the company actually paid for a dinner in a nice restaurant. It was so big achievement in my life. Let's say, so we actually could afford something more. 
than I could before, and the company paid for it. It was wow. Uh, sorry, just uh, yeah. I, I think that those kind of uh, winnings are very important because that that's the uh, that's the moment you start to realize that the your company is actually a different entity to you. At the beginning, you know, the company that's me or you know, me and my brother that, that that's the company. But the, uh, as the times go by company actually develops into the, its own entity. It is a third entity. It is not anymore two of us. It's something something beyond us. And I think that's uh, in defining success, success. It's very important to realize that um, company in one moment will, you know, grow up and, you know, be, you will have like a teen and after teen period and being very critical about uh, what you are contributing to the company which is now separated from from you in, in some you know uh, philosophical sense is is very very important so but I, let's go back to this infancy let's say so you started with managing servers and you mentioned your first customer or one of the first customers was a big news portal yes uh, that had its own infrastructure let's say policy uh, that was limiting to you so the, the, the first customer was uh, Internet Cruiser, Internet Kristalica. Uh, they, they were some kind of news aggregate site with a lot of a lot of content. They, they were really and real pioneers of you know Serbian web service uh, company. So they, they they had like chat, they had forums, they had a lot of uh, curated content. They had a lot of their own content. They were writing articles in many different. It, it was a very interesting way of thinking, very advanced way of thinking, and it was definitely the the biggest portal at the time when we started with ideas of managed hosting. It started probably somewhere by the end of 2009, for example. Uh, it, it was, I mean, what contributed to our success was definitely a broad circumstances that we had at the time. It was a kind of a boom of those kind of you know, news and media portals in Serbia. That, that was the time when those you know clickbait articles started to appear. Suddenly, it was a time when you know smartphones started to appear from now and there. Uh, then we also had a problem that websites, for example, when they publish some breaking news, the website is down because they cannot sustain uh, that high load they're having. And yeah, that probably was also because of social media, because the news could uh, let it probably, down. Probably it was Facebook effect yeah. as well. And that was our, let's say, prime time. We were able to deliver and to provide service that is creating very high value. I mean, it's, you know, make or break value. So what was the service? Let's say, what were you selling? Uh, we were selling. Uh, it was also an uh, interesting topic because we, at the beginning, we, we were struggling to define exactly what we are selling. Because we can say we are selling infrastructure. We are selling servers and we are selling uh, server maintenance. Yes. And that was kind of an old way to look at things. And in the, that kind of, uh, when you say, okay, you can rent infrastructure from us and we will provide you maintenance uh, that's actually not um, saying exactly what we will do for our customer because we will do much more than that Th that's why we started to say that our service is called fully managed that means that we live and breathe with our customers that means if uh, if customer is updating their website we will be there with you with them uh, all day all day it's usually actually all night long uh, to be able to detect 
any kind of anomalies or problems pretty much in advance, just to be able to protect that, you know, the uh, high availability of their service. So we were trying, and that, that, that is a very good question, because uh, at the beginning, it is very hard to, to actually sell your dream. We wanted to actually sell just one line in our invoice to be one line, keeping your website up and running. That, that was the idea. Yeah. Uh, but uh, on the other hand, for our customers, it was hard to compare our offering with others because the others were selling RAMs and CPUs and, you know, hours or whatever. And our approach was always like, you know, you they will pay some subscription fee, not that low subscription fee, and we will give them everything we can just to keep their websites up and running. And from uh, after, let's say, two years of providing that service, we had no marketing activities. And I remember it was uh, almost New New Year's Eve. It was 31st of December, somewhere late, like 5, 6 p.m. And I received a call on my mobile phone from someone saying, is that ma mainstream? I said, yes, how I can help you? Yeah, great, we have you know website. And I heard that only you guys can help us out with our problem. So, uh, and, and that, that was for me, the actually the winning part of having your own business because you are providing service that has so high added value that it is really easy to demonstrate that you are the best. So we were very niche players. It was very, very small market niche. It is providing high availability services for high volume websites. At the beginning, it was news and media portals, but later it was e-commerce websites uh, and all other aspects of of, of 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 early days of you know internet expansion and I mean commercialized internet expansion in Serbia. And let's say I don't know if this was the case, but let's say it looks to me that also let's say the negotiation goes between the client and you as a provider goes quite differently if you are selling servers and management because they want to drive down the price or you if you want to sell let's say up, let's say we are we will make sure that your website will be running 100% without 100% uptime. Because in one side, you just draw down the let's say the cost, in the other side, you can say as a provider, okay, but we cannot achieve 100% uptime if you if you drive the cost down, let's say. The yes, it, that, that kind of negotiations and conversation were challenging from many different perspectives. The first thing is that in order to sell dream or to sell uh, one line invoice you know uh, achieving high availability of your website you need to gain trust from your customer and it is very hard at the beginning and uh, the other problem was that our perspectives were different customers are usually not from technical side they don't know much about you know servers network storage systems and so on and on the other hand we were so proud of our infrastructure because our approach was quite different than usual hosting companies uh, so we our approach was we will uh, spend as much as we can on hardware just to not to think about you know hardware as a, as a to remove hardware as a part of equation whether the service is you know good or bad so it was very hard to get that understanding and you know, common ground with customer but later i really started to uh, acknowledge that uh, being able to you know genuinely believe in what you're selling 
not only as a good salesman, but as a, as a good, uh, you know, uh, that you're able to provide the service, you're, you know, your technical abilities are very high. Th those kind of, when you're honest with your, with your customer and when you're trying to uh, explain what you will do for them, for example, whenever there is an election night in Serbia, we have like a full team all all night, you know, on alert, watching at all kinds of different, you know, aspects of the system, trying to anticipate problems. And that, that's the, the same thing when, when there will be some kind of a breaking news, we will then, you know, uh, do everything that is in our abilities to provide the service that we are selling. And I, I think that, that, that honestly with, with your customers and actually, you know, track record at the end of the day that you were able to deliver what you promise is that, that, that kind of a capital that you are some kind of equity that you're building over time it's brand equity at the yeah, end probably. uh let's say yeah okay but uh let's go i have two questions let's say one was you mentioned at uh, the beginning of our conversation that you had a problem with a client that has servers abroad and now you mentioned that you bought hardware so there was like a transition yeah, the, 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 the actually, I remember the first customer that we had. It was a kind of a, you know, unsolvable dilemma. They want you to sign the contract. And one of the, the main aspects was that we will be able to provide service in two days after signing the contract. But in order to be able to provide the service in two, three, four days, we need to already have hardware. But if we don't sign the contract, Oh, we are not sure that we will have money to pay for hardware. So we had like some intermediary solution. We managed to actually rent quite a lot of servers, which is what you as an entrepreneur actually bring to the business, your connections with other people. So we were, as a, as a team, we were able to actually rent servers, which is, you know, it, it looks like ah, they rented servers nowadays. That's very easy. But back in 2010, renting 15 servers wasn't that easy. Even, I mean, it wasn't easy to buy that much servers, not only not to, to rent them. But, uh, so we had like, okay, we will rent. And it was very interesting. In the first couple of months, we were paying more for the, those servers to rent them than we charged our, our first client. So, and that was calculated risk because we know, okay, when we sign contract, when we start offering the service, then we will be able to buy, uh, buy our own infrastructure and our own hardware, which is another challenge from that early days is actually access to capital, access to money. This was actually my next question. Let's say, how were you financing this? Because it's... And, and it, if you look in the, in the past, I think that we, we had no our own money. We had no friends and fools. Uh, with money, so <laughs> uh, so we 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 started using bank loans, and that was kind of uh, dealing on a small scale. We get five k here, we got five k there, and then again, your already established social or business network comes into play. So we were able to actually have one say friendly company to act as a guarantor for, for, for loans. So, you know, they had trust in two of us that we will be able to provide service to actually, you know, uh, do the down payments of the, of the loan. And it all started, I remember, I think that after five or six years, I think that we had in total more than 40 different loan arrangements with, with banks. Because banks at the beginning uh, are not seeing you as a company that can actually, you know, sustain large amounts of, of debt. The good thing was that we were buying hardware 
So we could say it is a kind of a you know high quality collateral, which I don't know who is buying. We never we never managed to do this. Let's say to do this. Uh, so it, it was it was. I think that, that that's the that's the value that you as a entrepreneur is also. It's not only idea. It's not only ability to execute, but also ability to deploy your network and your connections and uh, ability to actually you know make all those different stakeholders in your business life actually believe in your dream because you're you're as an entrepreneur you're always selling something you're selling to bank the same dream you're selling to your customer and you know step by step with a, with a little bit different data points, ah, okay yes. absolutely <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Okay. So you finance it mostly your growth uh, through bank loans. Uh, this is really impressive. Let's say that from such an early stage of the company, you let's say had this ability to deal with the banks and then to gain the credibility. Well, it, it was so. kind of. So I think that most important uh, moment in that was having a company that will act as a guarantor for uh, for bank loans. Because that was kind of a you know high quality collateral for for the bank, uh, and the the, f- the first loan was twenty seven thousand euros. Uh, you know, my 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 brother and I we we were sweating while we were signing the contract. You know, because in that time twenty seven thousand euros was so much, so so great amount of money. You know, so and the other other hand was uh, our actually ability to explain banks that their investment in us is as low risk in, in any sense because whether it is we try to explain them you know that servers are a good collateral they can resell it maybe uh, but also we uh, they they understood that moment in, in time i think it's very critical to understand that for example this kind of conversation i can you know say from different perspective i can say we were so smart to understand the opportunity that we know that in 10 years we will be here but that's not true but actually you know there there's a component of luck of luck being able to believe on something that looks so very real but it is still not happening but also to 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 understand that broad Uh, circumstances around you and uh, we were able to tell the banks okay we see that new wave of e-commerce services over the internet and they understood this that is the future and for those services to uh, be able to work they need to have like a solid infrastructure they need to be up and running all day long because one of very great tools for for sell um, for us was actually ability to show different future clients uh, of ours that for example they were down two hours during some peak peak moment yeah. and then we can say okay we detect that you you were down and we can help you actually achieve up and running whenever you have a breaking news or whenever you have say, having a big sale or whatever so in, in those kind of services uh sales cycle is uh, is long but on the other hand you're providing so tangible value to your customers so it was in the same way hard and easy to sell on the other hand those memories on first let's say 10 15 clients i mean uh being able to feel that you know happiness when some client says okay i accept your offer we'll go in and i i that's that's probably one of the uh 
let's say most beautiful memories that I have in the last 10, 10 years. Yeah, yeah, my my let's say that's my theory or let's say my current thinking is let's say that when business mature, you know, the first time that you actually don't celebrate a new contract or a new client, joy of doing business dies a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> when when you enter, you know, that business as usual moment, our personal perspectives and goals and circumstances change over time. So uh, for me, you know, that uh, actual understanding that only, you know, the change is constant thing in our lives. Everything changes. I mean, you start running your company, you celebrate every new deal, you know, like the best achievement in the world. And then, as you said, sometimes you, you finally end up that you have a new contract and you say it's just, you know, Excel cell, like it's not yeah. five, six, five. Okay, what we will do tomorrow, let's say. So this is the next question. But uh, let's see, how did you manage to also grow the team? You mentioned that uh, together there were just two of you, uh, let's say co-founders. But uh, let's say for the type of service that you provide, the let's say the technical knowledge of the team is really important. So how did you manage to also scale the team? Uh, um, actually, long time ago, 12 years ago, it wasn't that hard to find, you know, clever, smart hardworking people as it is today. I think millennials were still too young to be in the workforce. <laughs> um, uh, but uh, actually, as I said, you're selling all the time. And when we were trying to find people to work with us, uh, it was also important to uh, sell them our dreams. And we were very lucky. I, I mean, uh, probably you know the, the second most important uh, factor in, in you know success of, of the company was actually the people that was able to understand the idea to actually believe in that idea to to uh, accept that idea as their own dream and that kind of ability to not, not work hard i mean i'm I, I would never say it's better to work hard than to work smart i mean uh, uh, i consider myself in, in that regards a bit you know lazy i like to to, to do things smartly, which you know, in the end of the day, means working less. But uh, those people were not only you know available, high available all day long for for company and for our clients, but also uh, they believed in that. They they actually implemented in in all kind of solutions their you know soul and their uh, best of knowledge. Uh, so we we never you know appeared on the scene of. Of, you know, Serbian IT uh, as a newcomers. We already had uh, a huge network of connections due to Linux Fest, due to other our activities, working in computer center of School of Electrical Engineering and so on. So we were able to actually uh, approach people that we know are good uh, and that uh, we actually, what, what we also part of the luck, we were able to find people that will actually grow with, with the company. Okay, so you managed to transform this uh, good standing in technical society uh, into access to, let's say, ambitious, uh, qualified technical people. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, I, I never looked at uh, hiring people as something as, you know, you're not uh, getting apples from the tree. So, uh, you're, you know, when you are looking for your first employee, it's like 50% of the company so uh, 
it was for us it was always important to find people that will actually believe in our dreams and that will uh, have the same values that they, that that and we were able to you know let's say maybe it's not it's a, it's a hard word to to sell those dreams and to sell those values that actually you can build a successful company uh, on the premise of uh, uncompromised quality uh, and uh, for me that was uh, maybe one of the most important aspects of you know that early days and that early success in a, in, in showing uh, and proving that you can have a profitable company but by, by you know not uh, saving monies from investment in in hardware from you know salaries from being able to recruit you know the best talents in, in the market uh, but but in the early days every employee is actually your new lifetime partner you are sharing them you know all the pains all the gains of of, of the business and uh we were at the time very lucky to be able to uh have all, all those people that were you know very knowledgeable uh with a lot of uh let's say ability to work on the future to ability to anticipate because in in, in high availability services uh you can be sure how things look at this moment, but then the other part of the you know the business is actually to anticipate how the things will look in the next moment. Okay, so let's say you also meant now it was uh, that's implicit in your uh, answer that you actually positioned yourself in the really premium segment of the market. My question is the premium segment is limited somehow, especially in a small country like Serbia. So how did you? Let's overcome this uh, challenge. Well, it it it, it is it, it, at the beginning. You entered the market. We were definitely not the first hosting company in in Serbia market, but we pretty soon uh, differentiated in a, in a sense of very premium, uh, tailor made, bespoke solutions, uh, and we manage quite successfully uh, to let's say fight with competition at the beginning because we were different kind of company all the other uh, hosting company trying to uh, work with let's say big clients uh, for them hosting was just part of their business portfolio and service portfolio so we were more focused more more agile we were fast we were able uh, and you know we were playing in the premium segment but we, uh, as we were small, uh, we were able to still provide very good uh, pricing so that we will show that we are, let's say, the same price levels as the others, but we can provide better service. Um, and definitely at the beginning, as the market is growing fast, you don't have that uh, sense the market, that market is small. You know, if, if, we, uh, if we say that, you know, the cosmos around us is expanding all the time, it doesn't matter how big it is at the moment it is bigger and bigger every time um, and in one moment you run out of customers uh, in a sense that uh, there are a lot of websites that that will benefit from your service but they're actually not able to pay for it because they're not profitable or they're not commercial enough uh, so we started that to let's say, address that problem by having some kind of uh, special agreements with uh, smaller websites that are suffering the same problem that they have issues with availability and the uh, 
and for example to give them like for two years you they will be paying like 10% of the actual price and after that the the, the, the price will go up until it reaches some kind of you know, uh, expected levels uh, and that started to uh, we started to have a uh, you know conversation what's next for us and we had uh, all the time two different ways of going forward one was to uh, provide service uh, let's say um, not maybe lower quality but for service for more for smaller clients but for higher quantity of clients or to try to expand the the market in sense of uh, let's stay and work with bigger clients as we are dealing now but providing them some less technical advanced uh, services uh, and more or less we uh, did both things but in, in different yeah it's usual it's entrepreneurial you do experiments and see what sticks in a way yeah but the, the problem is that um we had one kind of culture how the mainstream service looks like uh, and when you start addressing so different market let's say if we focus only on delivery yeah. uh, that will actually uh, create some kind of a monster some kind of a very specific creature like you are providing hosting services or cloud services to smaller smaller clients but your way your mindset is actually to solve all their problems which is fine when you're having a big client that has one of the biggest portals in in, in the country and they're able to actually pay for all your effort and time and you know skills and uh, resources and so on but then you somehow naturally when you have a small client paying you like one percent of that price you're still you still care about them which is good from uh, promotional perspectives because now you have a much wider audience that understand that you will uh, you know give your blood for, for, for their service but it is not scalable and it's not good for margins, let's say so. But it's an interesting aspect, let's say so. This culture market fit, in a way, yeah, yeah. Uh, that should should be able to provide enough enough gross margin to sustain and grow the company. But sometimes it doesn't, let's say. So it's not just the company that can address. Let's say it's not just the market that should be big enough, but also the company culture should be able to address the challenges of this market. Yeah, and on the other hand, you know, when when when, you're, when we are mentioning uh, culture, it's not something that you are building on purpose. Culture is not something you buy like three three bricks and two servers and a couple of meters of cables, and then you get the culture you want. I mean, it's something that is uh, it, it just happened. I mean, it start it starts with you know all the decisions that you are making at the beginning. Culture is a series of you saying, no, we don't do this, uh, things in this way, let's say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the strategy you know, saying no, and, <laughs> yes, and, and so on. But uh, my, my point is uh, all those kind of decisions that will ultimately influence the culture, you're not making them being aware of that. So the culture is somehow, you know, born uh, without much thinking about it and later as the company gets bigger uh, in, in in any sense then you have very interesting challenges if you want to you, you see something and you say i want to change that in order to change culture in very dramatic way for example we, we don't want to anymore you know offer 
so much effort for our customers. You need to replace, you know, basically everybody in the company. You need to restart the way of thinking. And uh, I think that's also when you can uh, you can uh, find a parallel with what we discussed at the beginning is how do you define success? And I think that, that if we if we stick to you know business part of how we define success, which is probably just you know minor part of the overall uh, discussion about success, you, you can uh, you can probably have two different paths. One is like being big as a success criteria. That is uh, pretty much the the nowadays story. It's growth for any cost. Uh, and being, you know, having uh, high number of customers, high number of people, uh, a lot of, you know, everything. So being big is one uh, way to measure success. And, and there is uh, another way of measuring success is whether you are uh, still providing, you know, original services, whether you are, you know, still uh, providing quality, uncompromised quality or you know whether you still believe in technical excellence uh, and it actually can also uh, uh, go down to very very easy financial parameter it's core profitability if you're able to provide high quality service you will maintain your profitability for sure I mean unless something uh, big happens in, in the market and then you're out of the out of the game so um, during that period of 10, 12 years, you, you never actually uh, find the answer whether it's better to be, you know, big or profitable. If we want to uh, put it down to uh, to simple terms, uh, but for example, for me, it was always more important to uh, stay that have core profitability very, very high for the cost of not being too big. Yeah. One other thing, let's say, that uh, you mentioned and uh, I would like to explore a little bit more uh, is, let's say, you said you were on the, let's say, lazy side of the approach to business. Let's say you would like to work less uh, than more. But at the beginning, let's say, the company, uh, let's say, starting a company is overwhelming. Let's say you breathe and leave the company. So was there any change, let's say, did you consciously approach uh, this question, let's say, of do you work for the company or the company, let's say, works for you and enables your lifestyle? Did you consciously approach this decision? I mean, it's oh, everything changes over time. At, at the beginning, of, I mean, at the beginning, for the first you know, 10 years, uh, you live and breathe your company. It's with you all the time. It's not something that you can, uh, at least I wasn't able to separate and say, okay, now I'm in a private life part of the day and now I will be uh, in my business part. I mean, I, I really uh, think that probably there are those people that are you know so disciplined that they're able to switch their minds. Uh, but for, you know, us ordinary people that's not something you can easily do and um, I, I cannot remember that I ever made that you know decision uh, being fully aware of making it like okay now I will I will try to separate from the company for five days and to focus on some other other stuff but generally 
life go, goes on and uh, you know you you get your first child you you marry you do this and that and uh, those kind of distractions actually help you uh, to regain yourself and to understand the uh, the the need for having your own time which is not part of the company and it is also um, when you when you look at the company you're, you're building it is like a child in some moment it uh, the company will uh, be pretty much independent on you if you are you know good at doing things and the problem with uh, building company that grows is that over time you need different a set of skills and uh, uh, knowledge and means of applying your knowledge which is which i found quite uh, challenging because you know i'm a it guy i used to be very good with you know it stuff but i i wouldn't ever say that i'm kind of a champion for you know uh, human resources or for this and that and uh, and and that's probably uh, the moment when you realize that um that kind of profession professionalization of the company is actually the way where, where the moment when the company will uh, not disconnect but will put the you know original owners in a, some different position um and the problem is that in those kind of situations uh companies tend to change a lot because it is no longer your small pretty company that really uh, you know you're we are all ninjas we are all you know uh living our dream now it's a, a big machine for you know charging a lot to clients uh paying salaries uh, dealing with you know a lot of different issues and so on and i i think that um especially when when we for example when we were at the moment of trying to find different markets and we we tried probably everything we tried other geographies uh and we tried it as we uh, i think that uh, it is very fair to say that whatever we tried and whenever we tried something we tried with full speed with all of our our you know all resources that we can gather all our time all our hearts for example i, I remember in 2014 we uh, took part in jitex in dubai we spent a lot of money for just the presence but before that almost six months it took us to define new value proposition we created a new brand we we really put a great effort not only from internal resources we um we we actually uh gathered some external people as well to help us with that and we did pretty good job and the problem is that you need to understand that uh even if you put a lot of effort and if you uh have very good idea you the success is not guaranteed yeah because there are many different aspects of you know for example uh, starting your business in dubai or in the region or in in other countries one of the first drifts for our from from our main uh course uh, was uh, public cloud offering uh we were trying to 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 uh, to use it as a let's call it recruit center so uh, we will have a service that is um for 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 smaller clients and we will use them as kind of you know kindergarten so whenever we see some company and some website actually growing we will offer them to actually replace graduate them. yeah to graduate to uh, fully managed hosting and it, it actually worked in some of the uh, some of the big 
customers nowadays started as customers of public cloud offering. Uh, not as much as we believed it will, but in any sense, uh, it worked. Um, and then we also um, had that our you know, little touch uh, in, in public cloud as we uh, anticipated that things will need to be fully automated, that we can play on that domestic infrastructure argument as well. Uh, so that, that, that worked at the beginning. Um, the first incarnation of public cloud offering was very good from all those uh, benefits perspective, but the pricing was too high. So uh, in, in, in the next incarnation of public cloud, we uh, lowered the price, replaced the technical uh, delivery of the service, and that was much better. But that was again uh, drifting us from what our, our core service was. Because, yeah, this uh, is probably the, this challenge, let's say, because you start from your technical competences, but let's say the market is a little bit different. So there is not uh, there is not 100% match. But this public, uh, let's say, cloud is now called M Cloud and it's actually part of DHH, let's say. So uh, this is the fruits of us knowing, uh, let's say, f uh, each other for uh, quite a few years. So I'm really happy about that. Uh, but let's say to return to this question of uh, separating your identity from the identity of the company, because you mentioned that when the company grows, you notice that, okay, it acquires its own uh, identity and so on. You have now, let's say, exited in a way, uh, let's say, at least uh, as a, from an ownership from both businesses, if I uh, informed right. So this is also, let's say, a big, uh, let's say, Part of I don't know becoming mature. Let's say to be able to do this, to let's say to have this kind of uh, separation of your personal identity from the identity of the business, so that you are not tied to the business. So, uh, so how did uh, let's say this process come about? Was it connected also to all these experiments, and then saying okay, maybe uh, uh, maybe I'm not so motivated to stay in this kind of business anymore? Or was it, uh, let's say, more of, okay, I have worked for 15 years, I know the technology, but also, let's say, there is an opportunity to, let's say, take care of my family needs and so on by selling the company. So what was the reasoning, uh, let's say, if you're willing to share with me, behind the decision? Okay, so first about, you know, uh, name. I think that, um... When you when you're an entrepreneur with idea and you establish a company and to start you know breeding that company and living with the company all day long, uh, in order to be successful, you need to uh, put a lot of effort actually to promote your company and not yourself. Uh, and I think that uh, we did a great job. Nowadays, I think that mainstream as as, as the company has uh, much bigger, let's say, brand value than all of us individually. So uh, at the beginning, it was, you know, company of Ljubiša and Boško. It was us as the fronts of the company. But nowadays, uh, our names are, uh, let's say, uh, less known than the company itself. And in that, that long period of 10, 20, 20 12 years, uh, you're somehow losing your identity, not like, like in, in a you know, psychological sense, but in the sense of, of brand on the market. You are seen as 
one of guys from from the company uh and uh rebranding yourself and reinventing your your personal identity is a very big challenge and i don't have the answer to that question maybe in five years we can meet again and <laughs> I, will, I will tell you and i will give you uh, a, a, another dose of you know wisdom uh you know life after exiting from your own company uh but uh, in life as i said in life we all know, know that things change uh the company, uh, for example, my taste was always smaller company than bigger company. Uh, and on the other hand, uh, mainstream started to develop into a real big, you know, company with like 60 plus employees, a lot of you know, internal dynamics. And, and uh, for me, that's, that's, that's a great way forward. But I feel that I'm uh, more let's say uh, that my abilities are better used in smaller environments. I mean, we have, uh, and, and that's, that's pretty much uh, how you define your success. I mean, uh, I also uh, believe that in one moment in time, you, you might not be the, uh, the best choice for company CTO, CEO, or whatever. Uh, I mean, the idea that you started your own company is not, uh, per se, the you know carte blanche for you to play all the roles for the rest of company's life. So uh, I think that it is very important to understand when it is time to uh, give way to other people, other solutions, other ideas. And uh, as I mentioned somewhere at the beginning, uh, the company in one moment becomes its own entity, its own animal, uh, and somewhere in that process I I said that my personal goals are not that aligned anymore with com that new animal uh, that is living living now and that was probably the the most important aspect in in uh, going to, to through exit uh, when you mentioned M cloud and, and DHH that was the beginning of that process in a sense that in one moment mainstream needed to strategically align so we had public cloud, which was so different from all kinds of metrics. Uh, average revenue per user, different kind of delivering the service, the, uh, the way how you sell the service, the way how you uh, gain the trust from your customers. It was all different. And for mainstream, it made a lot of sense to actually uh, close that kind of mass hosting uh, yeah, because it's also this cultural difference that we discussed let's say absolutely because uh it was uh for for mainstream it was very you know expensive to continue uh providing mass hosting service on that level of of uh technical excellence, let, let's call it that way. Uh, so the, the, the mainstream made that in 2018 decision that actually, you know, bigger clients will be the main, uh, let's say, main customer of uh, of mainstream. And that was, uh, that, that came after, for example, two years uh, of uh, trying to, to sell cloud services to banks, insurance companies, and other corporates that are not having... Uh, websites that need up and running uh, perspectives yeah. for the whole day and that, that was kind of strategically made decision like okay we have a service it needs to have its own separate life uh and that that is that was the 
main reason why mCloud was separating into a com- uh, separate and mCloud, company. on the other hand, is now a smaller entity, much more suited, let's say, to let's say your skill set and tests and so on. So yeah, it much it makes a lot of sense now. I also let's say uh, admire in a way, let's say, this maturity on your side, let's say, that you manage to notice in yourself where, where you're good at, let's say. So it, it's probably a humbling experience, uh, let's say. Um, but in your side, I believe that on the other side, you came from this process much more mature because you know where your strong points are and where you're not as good at. Uh, in my mind, let's say this is something that happens later on. Let's say at the beginning, you kind of feel as when you're starting your business. And if you have some consecutive successes at the beginning, you feel like a superhero, you know, everything, you can do everything. And then at the end, uh, let's say, when you have some, let's say, challenging times and so on, and especially if you have partners uh, that are willing to openly discuss with you in company, at least my experience was that, uh, then you start to become aware of your limitations and where you're really good at. So where you can actually add value. Yeah, I, I will just add, you know, at the beginning, especially when you have 20-something years, you believe that you're good at everything. I mean, it's a process, a journey that you understand that some things, you know, you don't like or you're not good at. I mean, uh, there's that story about uh, um, uh, experiments in, uh, I think it was for survival ship bias when when the group of people are tossing coins. And every time uh, those that get ahead will stay, the others will go out. And after, for example, 10 rounds, you'll have like two or three people staying again and they will be they they will feel that they know how to toss a coin but actually it's you know pure statistics over there so uh i I think uh, being humble is uh, kind of uh, for example uh, for me very uh important you know lifelong goal usually uh, uh people are not in that kind of territory at all um, especially the successful business people they, they they tend to believe that they conquered the world and i think on the personal level it's very important to understand who and how how the circumstances contributed to your success yeah i actually really like the formula i don't know where i read it but the success success is when perseverance and uh, preparedness meets opportunity yeah, probably that that that's, <laughs> that sounds. You good. you you can probably control perseverance and uh, let's say preparedness, but the opportunity either comes or not. Let's say so. There's there's this uh, part of luck in the equation. Yeah, I mean that there's definitely you know uh, someone's ability to utilize those circumstances to exploit them, yeah. uh, and that that's probably you know good way to to say that it's not just pure luck, but you know understanding that luck. Pay, um, plays a great part in, in everybody's you know success, especially in business. It is very important. Yeah. So to close off the conversation, let's say uh, you have experiences, experienced everything, let's say, on the bootstra- bootstrapping journey from starting the company, growing the company, spinning out different businesses, and actually at the end also exiting on the business. So would you recommend bootstrapping to entrepreneur star starting at this time and if yes why and if no why not let's say as uh, uh, well I'm, I'm biased definitely um, and my experiences are pretty much only in bootstrapping so i never you know felt the other side of the road uh, 
there's my own opinion is that you know entrepreneurship in in a nutshell is a challenge of not having enough resources uh, the other model when you when you know someone will put a lot of cash in your you know business idea whatever is a different gameplay and uh, as, as in uh, as in every game there is no free lunch so if you are bootstrapping company you're in total control of everything when someone is giving you a lot tons of money then you're losing that control uh, i think that um when uh, we mentioned freedom as a some kind of notion uh, you know you, you work for a company then you feel that i would do everything much better those guys are not knowing what they're doing and so on and you you feel that you will have the freedom of making your own choices i think the bootstrapping method is uh, closer to that i don't believe that uh, anyone can actually have that full freedom in running a company because the company is not only yours company is also uh, in, in some way you know the ownership of, of, of your uh, customers and of your employees and you are from the very very early beginning uh, in a position to make hard choices and to understand that it's actually there is no freedom you know Janis Joplin said freedom is just another word for nothing left to lose and you are usually not in that situation especially when you're having your own company so uh, I would I, I think that uh, bootstrapping a company is the only real way of creating something new uh, it has many uh, problems in, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the journey because you are never having enough resources it's completely different than VC model uh, both models are you know creating a lot of value it depends for whom I think that in bootstrapping model you can uh, create value for the most important stakeholders which are you know customers employees and owners in that uh, in that order and uh, when you are uh, heavily financed from the beginning that order is different and uh, I think that both uh, employees and owners and even customers are lower in, in, in that order and that uh, the the price that you are paying is too big. Vushko, thank you for this. I especially like that you uh, ended our conversation with Janis Joplin quote. It's uh, uh, really great. Uh, uh, and I would like to thank all the listeners who stayed with us till the end. So thank you again for joining us today. Thank you for inviting me. It was a pleasure to be part of this. If you like this episode, please subscribe to the podcast. And do not forget to tell your friends about it. I would really appreciate if you tell me which entrepreneur would you like me to interview next. Just email me at podcast at bootstrapentrepreneurs.eu. The episode show notes are available on www.bootstrapentrepreneurs.eu. See you next week.